This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Daily Show, The Bugle, La Show, The Majority Report, Counterspin, NPR, Media Matters, The Colbert Report, and The Young Turks with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Daily Show. Our top story, of course, uh, tonight, once again, the continuing revelations in the British tabloid News of the World scandal. As you may recall, yesterday, News Corp owner Montgomery Burns was called before Parliament for a dramatic three-hour testimony so intense the media mogul managed to stay awake. He, he managed to stay awake for nearly all of it. This is the most humble day of my life. Tis true. For nearly 80 years, Rupert Murdoch has had, for lack of a better term, the run of the planet. <laughs> Dominion over all that he surveys. <laughs> but yesterday, July 19th, in the year of our Murdoch 2011, <laughs> was the day that the Aussie iconoclast had to accept that ultimately he is responsible for the fiasco. Mr. Murdoch, do you accept that ultimately you are responsible for this whole fiasco? No. Wait, what was that again? You're not responsible. Who is responsible? The people that I trusted to run it, and then maybe the people they trusted. Like, I can see how this is a very humbling day for Mr. Murdoch. Man of his stature is not accustomed to throwing subordinates under something so lowly as a bus. Yes, the number 23 bus to Piccadilly Circus was a rougher ride than normal as the streets of London were apparently lined with the freshly strewn News Corp employees hastily jettisoned by Grandpa Disappointment. <laughs> but as you know, in every cloud there is a silver, or in this case, diamond-encrusted platinum lining. As betrayed, duped, and clueless as Mr. Murdoch apparently was here, there is a sharp young go-getter in the company Turn this whole thing around. Mr. Murdoch, have you considered resigning? No. Why not? Because I feel that people I trusted, I'm not saying who, I don't know what level, but let me down, and I think they behaved uh, disgracefully and betrayed the company and me, and it's for them to pay. I think that, frankly, I'm the best person to clean this up. That sounded kind of threatening. I will clean this up. The dingoes will eat well tonight. this week, Hack Attack Part 2. 
And, well, Andy, the News of the World scandal has deepened this week, taking all the attention of News International staff. I presume that's the case, as they definitely can't have had time to listen to the bugle last week. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be doing this right now. So, just when you thought this story couldn't get any more disgusting, new revelations emerged that were even more sickening. Following this story was like walking through a fetid sewer, consoling yourself with the fact that things couldn't get any worse, and then having a pile of shit dumped on your head <laughs> the the tornado of criticism got so strong that Rupert Murdoch was forced to abandon his bid to take full ownership of B Sky B which is a tragedy oh Andy I'm sorry I think I might have misused the word tragedy there uh, <laughs> What, what's the phrase for when something absolutely awful nearly happens and then doesn't? Oh, lucky escape. That's right. <laughs> that, that's the phrase I was looking for. Lucky escape. <laughs> so as you said, we are still here, which means, well, either, I mean, possibly means that no one in News International listens to the Bugle, or that they do listen to the Bugle, but they've been a bit busy with other stuff this week, and they're going to catch <laughs> up shortly. Or that they have listened to last week's Bugle and fully endorse every word said on it, and every word said in your piece, uh, which you <laughs> stuck the boot in on the Daily Show. <laughs> but, I did, I, yeah, yeah, I'd put my boot somewhere, and then I see as they ran extremely hard into it with the things that they did. Yeah, I guess, my boot yeah. was stationary, they ran into my foot, Andy. Well, I, mean, well, I, I guess that will be settled in a court of law, John, with the help of a physicist. But anyway, I thought I'd better find out for sure, so um, I, I hacked into Rupert Murdoch's phone. And oh, that's good. Would you believe it that his holes music, John, is you singing Bon Jovi's Bed of Roses? <laughs> And 95% of all of his voicemails are just Rebecca Brooks ringing up and going on about what an absolute dreamboat I am. And uh, <laughs> trying to persuade uh, Rupert to sanction an Andy Zaltzman swimwear calendar to put out with the Sunday Times. Wow. Well, I won't weird. do it, Brooks. I'm not a f***ing piece of meat. Unless by swimwear you mean whale skin. That's, I guess that's swimwear of a sort for whales. And I want the whales still alive. I'll do your calendar, even though you have now resigned since I wrote the joke. <laughs> I'll do this calendar only if you can arrange for me to be non-fatally eaten by a whale, Jonah style. Because I've always wondered, John, what Jonah must have thought whilst inside that whale, because you know the Bible writers would have spun it like a teenage Chinese ice skater at triple salco practice. Of course, the uh, the official line is that God sent the whale, gave uh, little Jonah a complimentary three-night full-board mini-break inside it, and then made the whale puke him out in time to get home for his Thursday bridge night. But Jonah's personal diary, however, suggests a slightly different story, recently oh. declassified under the Freedom of Information Act. Um, day one. F*** me, I've been swallowed by a f***ing whale! I thought I was toast when those sailors took me at my word and lobbied into the f***ing sea, but I've been swallowed by a whale. I always wondered what it would be like to be a bit of plankton. This is going to be awesome. The trip of a lifetime. Day two. It is f***ing disgusting in here. <laughs> It absolutely stinks of rotting fish, stomach acids everywhere, and the gas. Don't even get me started on the gas. I, I really need to tidy my room. And the big watery bastard stomach muscles keep contracting and expanding, trying to f***ing digest me. So I can't even get 20 minutes kip without being launched around his belly like a rabbit on a roller coaster. Oh, shit. I seriously cannot see being eaten by a whale catching on as a novelty adventure holiday. This whale seriously needs to eat some dried apricots if I ever want to get out of here. I'm at the end of my tether, TBH. A die of half-digested krill and plankton carpaccio is not doing my figure any good whatsoever and i'm pretty sure this well doesn't keep kosher either it's dark <laughs> please excuse my hand what is that handwriting oh handwriting oh yeah and i've been holding my breath for 36 hours now day three i feel shit whale <laughs> shit everywhere all around me i've got to get out of here 
through this digestive phase, I've been largely dissolved, I've had most of my bones crushed, and I'm now suffering serious oxygen deprivation. I'm beginning to think I might die in here. Hang on, now sounds like the whale's unfolding a newspaper. Must be a copy of Aquatic Mammals Daily. He's turning to the back page. He's settling down. Yes! Cryptic crossword! That could mean only one thing! I'm out of here! I've had some rocky relationships in my time, but I never thought I'd be so glad to get dumped. <coughs> Day four. Back home safe. God's been in touch. He told me not to sell my story or he'll whack me out with a lightning bolt. He can be a really domineering boss sometimes. So controlling. Obsessed with the growth of his empire, even if he's increasingly out of touch and relies on his staff lower down the company hierarchy to do his dirty work for him. Typical tycoon. Anywho, he wants me to hold a press conference this afternoon and say that it was a f***ing breeze being eaten by a whale and that I was vomited up, not crapped out. He says I'll do one of his magic corrective surgeries on me, so I guess I'll have to suck it up. But I don't see why he thinks the Bible-reading public are going to buy that patent bullshit, or why being chundered is so much more saleable as a story than being shat. But hey, he's the gaffer, and he'd better give me a really flashy new donkey for this as a deal sweetener. <laughs> there you go. Well, good point, Andy. Yep. Good point. Well made. <laughs> no point. Longly made. I think that's what we meant. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> So, police are apparently contacting about 30 suspected hacking victims a week now after investigations identified some 4,000 possible targets. And it's getting to the stage where if you haven't had your phone tapped, you're going to start worrying what was wrong with you. <laughs> Why don't they want to tap my phone, Andy? This is becoming a self-esteem issue now. Am I not good enough to tap? They should be tapping the shit out of this good stuff, Andy. I want to feel tap-worthy. Tap me! Tap me! <laughs> God, the news of the world is the ultimate bad boy, Andy. You just want their attention. <laughs> so Rebecca Brooks has uh, the former editor of the News of the World at the time when the uh, now defunct ex-crap rag did not so much scrape the barrel of investigative journalism as detonate a landmine in the barrel, then use industrial mining equipment to dig down several hundred metres underneath a barrel just to make sure they hadn't missed anything. Anyway, Brooks has quat. Quitted. <laughs> quite, quite, she's, she's resigned. Despite uh, the backing from the Murdochs throughout the Shemozzle so far, and um, also despite being found by an internal News International investigation to be, quotes, completely and verifiably not a witch, uh, she sank straight to the bottom of our jacuzzi of justice and has not owned a cauldron for several years now. Despite all this, she has stepped down as Chief Executive of News International as the continuing shitstorm of justified indignation, opportunistic political grandstanding, rightfully appalled disgust and high-octane journalistic sanctimony claims its highest-profile victim yet. Uh, Brooks said that she wanted to, quotes, reiterate how sorry I am for what we, for what we now know to have taken place. And mm. between the lines, I think she means how sorry I am that the world now knows <laughs> yeah. that it took place. So yeah, that's, that's the apology. She also said she's planning, uh, she was planning to resign anyway in order to pursue her lifelong dream of being the first woman ever to cross Africa on a pogo stick. She said, I found in recent weeks that being the epicentre of a global tornado of revulsion has really curtailed the amount of time I can dedicate to practising boinging around on my pogo. Some days I've only been able to boing for like an hour and I really need to do three hours a day on the boing to build up to the Africa trip. If I don't boing up good in the next few months I run the risk of being fully boinged out by the time I'm even halfway across Somalia. I just want to bounce. That was in the press conference this morning. <laughs> new, uh, new revelations came out this week 
uh, about Gordon Brown's financial records being tapped, as well as the newspaper finding out about his child having cystic fibrosis and very classily deciding to run that as a story. And these revelations also led to Rupert Murdoch and his son James being summoned to appear in front of a House of Commons inquiry board next Tuesday. Uh, the problem was that they're not British citizens, so that was not legally binding. And initially, Rupert Murdoch declined to appear, basically sending an RSVP saying, oh, what a lovely invitation. I was so glad to receive it from the court-appointed messenger who placed it in my hand. Sadly, I will be unable to attend due to a prior engagement of not being anywhere near your stupid f***ing <laughs> inquiry. I hope it all goes well and that you all have a lovely time. Go f*** yourselves, Roop. So... Later, reports came out alleging that he'd also claimed he couldn't make it because he was, one, allergic to panels, two, was too shy, and three, had actually died in 1994. <laughs> so it seemed for a while like we were going to have to trick all three of them into appearing. MPs had looked into what kind of bait they might find the most appealing. Uh, Hugh Grant had said he'd be willing to sit inside a sack of cocaine in the hope of tempting them into the room. Uh, then the inquiry would just jump out from behind a sofa and begin immediately questioning them. Uh, they'd also looked into uh, hiding an attractive, white, missing seven-year-old girl in there, as well as a footballer and a page three model. It was thought there was no way they could resist those three things, Andy. That's their three favourite flavours of catnip. <laughs> But just as they were setting that trap, it emerged that uh, Rupert Murdoch had caved under pressure and said that he would actually attend, which raises the likelihood that on Tuesday we will see him, his son James and Rebecca Brooks in front of the MPs, which Don King is already currently in negotiations to promote. And if they do get them before an inquiry, get ready for some pretty nauseating moral grandstanding from the committee as well. Because <laughs> there are few more disgusting sights in life than politicians ostentatiously criticising wrongdoers who they were completely complicit in not preventing from doing wrong. <laughs> as you said, there is a bit of a spat uh, now between News International and former um, Prime Minister Gordon Brown, who accused uh, reporters of, quote, law-breaking on an industrial scale and acting as a criminal media nexus. Strong mm -hmm. words, and Murdoch yeah. is hit back by accusing Gordon Brown of lying in Parliament. So it is going to get feisty, John. Uh -oh. These, this, this is, as you say, this is classic pre-fight trash talking. Yeah. This is... <laughs> actually, I, it would, it would be, I think maybe Don King would be the ideal speaker for the House of Commons to replace... Perfect. John Absolutely Burke, perfect speaker. ...for the duration of this. But, um... The Sun claims that it found out via a member of the public that Brown's young son, Fraser, had cystic fibrosis. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, here is a quiz for you. What did they do with this information once they'd found it out? A. Nothing. They realised it clearly verifiably and incontrovertibly had less than 0% relevance to the public as a news story, being as it was a personal matter of considerable sensitivity to the Brown family and their baby son, with absolutely no conceivable impact on how Brown could do his job as Chancellor. Or B. Mm -hmm. Splashed it all over the front page of Britain's biggest selling newspaper, then boasted about how it was setting the news agenda. A or B? That's a depressing question, John. Now, I know we all get questions wrong sometimes. Yes. As the 40% divorce rate in both the USA and the UK <laughs> can testify. But I think they should have got that one right. I, th I don't. I, th I think they should have gone A. They should have gone A. But uh, but even Gordon Brown, Andy, who I don't think anyone would say has not been a victim in all of this, was also complicit in the complete lack of oversight given to News International and their behaviour. As Prime Minister, uh, he apparently went to Rebecca Brooks's wedding and his wife Sarah Brown invited Brooks to a, a quote, slumber party at Chequers. And I do think that... <laughs> 
while they were oh, come on, let's slumbering. <laughs> That's an Anne Summers party, John, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I do think while they were slumbering, Rebecca Brooks was probably going through their underwear drawer. <laughs> you don't invite that jackal into your home. <laughs> so it's also turned out that um, 9-11 victims and their families might have had their phones hacked as well. And now how, John... I'm going to give you a quiz question here. How is this going mm-hmm. to go down in America? A, mm-hmm. no biggie. Yes. No yeah. biggie. It's a free country, the home of the free, no less. People should be able to intrude on the private grief of whomever they want, for whatever reason, whether for commercial gain, pointless journalistic shit-scooping, or merely just for a <laughs> laugh. Yeah. B, about as well as bombing Pearl Harbor did. Or, <laughs> or C, as long as it doesn't affect the broadcasting of American Idol, they can wear it. Is there not an option D of really well, really well? They'll be really happy to hear that story. You can have D if you want. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be necessary. <laughs> the The relationship between politicians and, and News International has been a truly dysfunctional marriage over the years, and, and perhaps many people should have seen a scandal like this coming. Just listen to the wedding vows that they gave each other years ago when Murdoch first took control of those papers. Do you... News International, take this esteemed political body to hound and to investigate, to hack and to harass, as long as you shall be in print. And do you promise to do this with a poor command over the English language, and to undercut the gravity of any actual stories you may stumble over by placing them next to a picture of a celebrity in a bikini? And do you promise horoscopes? I do. Very well. And do you, political body, take this paper to prostitute yourself in front of, to cower in fear of, and curry favour with, as long as you shall remain in office? And when doing this, will you make sure that it compromises your ability to best serve your constituents, as well as compromising every principle you've ever held close to your heart? And will you take steps to ensure that this relationship is at best troubling, and at worst, criminal? I do. Very good. Therefore, with the powers invested in me, I hereby pronounce you two an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> you, you may hound the bride. <laughs> Is that what's going to be said at your wedding? <laughs> <laughs> well, they the politicians have prostituted themselves, as you say. They've essentially prostituted themselves so much that they might as well have dressed up all their policies in push-up bras and fishnet stockings. Whilst... <laughs> What a dodgy-looking man was standing behind them taking 85% of all of their votes. <laughs> so, where now for the future of the press? That seems to be the big question in England at the moment. And uh, Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg said, a raucous, probing press able to hold politicians to account comes at a price. Journalists will always operate at the boundaries of what is and isn't acceptable in order to unearth the truth for the sake of the public interest. And we need to have a proper debate about where that line lies. And it seems, Andy, that now journalist ethics are basically like doping in athletics. You just presume that everyone's cheating, it's just how much. (laughs) And that means that there's a cloud over every story. There must be some way of journalists having to take urine tests after filing each report. (laughs) And that boundary, well, they say they operate on the boundary, if I may use a cricket analogy. I think the boundary they're operating on is some way outside the stadium most of the time. (laughs) But politicians have always loved a bandwagon, and they have had their jumping boots on this week. And the, the media, the slamming the media bandwagon is now looking like a cart full of refugees desperately in search of food. But will this mark a genuine turning point, John? Because um, 
They, uh, for too long now, the politicians have bent over backwards, forwards and any other way the media wanted them in order to curry favour. But that curried flavour often left an unpleasant aftertaste and disconcerting political flatulence. <laughs> so, I don't know, I, th- I think they need a less spicy diet. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Guardian newspaper apologized this week for reporting that The Sun, part of Rupert Murdoch's News International Empire, had obtained information about former Prime Minister Gordon Brown's son, not The Sun, the newspaper, The Sun, the kid, for medical records. The Guardian has played a pivotal role in revealing details of the News of the World phone hacking scandal, but it printed this one-paragraph apology. On page 36, the information came, in fact, from a different source, and The Guardian apologizes for its error. This is to correct a front page a front page story uh, a couple of days earlier that claimed the son discovered Brown's son had been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis by accessing medical records. Brown was in tears when he made the accusation in Parliament. The son, the newspaper, not the kid, denied any wrongdoing and said the information came from a member of the public. And now, more, Rupert Murdoch held his head in his hands and repeatedly apologized to the family of murdered schoolgirl Millie Dowler, whose phone voicemail was hacked by the News of the World. He apologized to Millie's parents, Sally and Bob and Sister Gemma, and said, quote, this never should have happened, unquote. I guess meaning the hacking, not the apology. I don't. Speaking outside the hotel where the meeting took place, the family's lawyer said, quote, he was humbled speaking of Rupert Murdoch, to give a full and sincere apology to the Dowler family. I don't think, the lawyer continued, somebody could have held their head in their hands and said sorry so many times, unquote. By the way, in case you didn't know, the uh, news corporation on Thursday hired the crisis management consultancy Uh, now, I'm, now I'm blanking on the name. I'll, I'll get to you. Anyway, they hired a, a, a nationally known crisis management firm to help them with this thing. So now, yes, he's humbled. After meeting with the Dollar family, Murdoch emerged on the hotel steps and said, we will find out what happened, and I apologized. I have nothing more to say. Then there's this from the head of Dow Jones in this country and a man who's owned by 
News Corporation, a man who's worked for Rupert Murdoch for 52 years. Dear Rupert, I've watched with sorrow from New York as News of the World story has unfolded. I've seen hundreds of reports of both actual and alleged misconduct. The pain caused to ignorant people, uh, innocent people is unimaginable. Edelman is the name of the company, sorry. The pain caused to innocent people is unimaginable. That I was ignorant of what apparent, apparently happened is irrelevant, and in the circumstances I feel it is proper for me to resign from News Corporation and apologize to those hurt by the actions of News of the World. With my warmest best wishes, Les Hinton. And then there's the apology that appeared as a paid advertisement in almost every English newspaper this weekend. We are sorry. The news of the world was in the business of holding others to account. It failed when it came to itself. We are sorry for the serious wrongdoing that occurred. We are deeply sorry for the hurt suffered by the individuals affected. We regret not acting faster to sort things out. I realize that simply apologizing is not enough. Our business was founded on the idea that a free and open press should be a positive force in society. All together now, timey kangaroo down, sport, timey kangaroo down, timey kangaroo down, sport, timey kangaroo down, and take me koala back, Jack, take me koala back, he lives somewhere out on the track, Mac. Take me koala back all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Mind me platypus duck, Bill. Mind me platypus duck. Don't let him go run amok, Bill. Mind me platypus duck all together now. This is uh, Fox and Friends, and they're they're covering. It's apparently the first time they mentioned it. Okay. So what we have now is Fox and Friends covering the News Corps scandal. And uh, this is the first time they have mentioned it. This is going to be hilarious. Joining us right now is a man who knows about the media, Bob Dylan Schneider, the head of the New York-based Dylan Schneider Group, and he used to run one of the biggest PR firms in the country. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Uh, fine. Thank you very much. What, what do you make of what uh, this particular hacking scandal with the News of the World? Well, the News of the World is a hacking scandal. It can't be denied. But <clears throat> the issue really is why, is why are so many people piling on at this point? We know it's a hacking scandal. Shouldn't we get beyond it and really deal with the issue of hacking? I mean, Citicorp has been hacked into, Bank of America has been hacked into, American Express has been hacked into, insurance companies have been hacked into. We've got a serious hacking problem in this country. And wait, you got a problem. Wait, 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 this is a hacking problem? You've got these companies have been hacked into. Why are we talking about hacking in general? News Corps is doing the hacking. There's a difference between, like, it's like saying, like, look, yes, I know. 
uh, I know this guy is a murderer. He killed people. But people are dying. Let's talk about the issue of people dying. There are people dying everywhere. There have been people hit by a bus. There have been people hit by a car. There's been other people who have been killed by murderers. Why are we talking about this one murderer who should be talking about the idea of murdering? That's the problem. The problem isn't this murderer. The problem is murdering. It's the worst PR firm I've ever heard. No, well, I, I, I am willing to bet. I am willing to bet that this guy does PR We've got a for serious News hacking problem in this country, and this morning the government's obviously been hacked into right. over 24,000 fi files. So we've got to figure out a way to deal with this hacking problem. That's sure. what we have to do. You know, uh, and they the, are the hacking problem. They said, look, uh, this happened a long time ago at a tabloid. In London, somebody did something really bad, and the company reacted. They closed that newspaper. All those people got fired, even though 99% of them absolutely had nothing to do with it. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Murdoch, who owns it, has apologized. But for some reason, the public, the media, keeps going over this again and again. And <laughs> the piling on. It's a little bit too much. But I think the bigger Why are they issue reporting is really the news? hacking and how are we as a public going to protect ourselves and protect our privacy and deal with it. And I would also say, by the way, uh, Citigroup, great, great bank, Bank of America, privacy? great bank. Are they getting the same kind of attention for hacking that took place less than a year ago that uh, News Corp is getting today? <laughs> right, and then you, uh, along those lines, you've got the news about this thing at the at the Pentagon. I mean, it sounds like the country of China, who we owe no, owe a whole bunch of debt. You know what's happening here? Pentagon supercomputer. You know what's happening here? Is that um, uh, Steve Douchey, or whatever his name is, is this Douchey or the other one? Is this Douchey or Douchebaggery? I can't tell which guy it is who's speaking here. This guy is so shocked. Like, like clearly, the producer told the, 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 either this guy, Dylan Schneider, doesn't know the story, or is being so brazen in his attempt to conflate the story that Douchey over here is looking back and just going like, I, I don't know how to continue with the, <laughs> you've gone miles beyond where I thought we could do to cloud this thing. Uh, China, what about China? It's like China over here. Surprise, he didn't go ground zero mosque. It isn't sucked out 24,000 uh, different files. Where is that as a big story? It's really very, very uh, scary, and I think that we should be very concerned as a public about our privacy and about people getting access to what we have. And we've got well here. This is how you can start with <laughs> as the public. Stop the news organization that has been professionally hacking thousands. They have admitted to hacking four thousand voicemails at least, at least to find ways to defend ourselves sure and one of the other things about uh, the i got w the first thing you can do to defend yourself close news core down that would be the first thing you can do media piling on and you know you look at some sites you would think that martians had landed in new jersey right. again uh we've got some serious problems in this country right now we it's are teetering on default they just, there, there are people there's martians landing in new jersey in government-funded uh, helicopters there, the, uh, the name of this segment was like, can we actually see, let's just, 
I, you know, this is like one of those things where the producers are like drunk, like at, at like midnight last night. They're drunk, they're high, and they're going, "Dude, <laughs> do you think we could actually do a segment which made it sound like News Corp was the victim of hacking? Come on, I don't know if you to type it up right now." And then they were too fucked up, and they forgot that they left it in the computer system. <laughs> and then someone picked it up the next morning. Hold on, I'm gonna keep playing this. Let's see. Problems in this country right now. We are teetering on default. And what do they do? They talk about this. Uh, we've got ma major problems in the country. Uh, John Boehner's dealing with tough problems. The president's dealing with tough problems. We have problems in the states. And we're dealing with this issue over in London that took place more than a decade ago. Sure. I don't quite understand it. And Mr. Murdoch himself has said that he's going to cooperate. He's going to show up at Parliament next week. Why is he week cooperating? Now, uh, How can he do this when we're so close Brooks, to default? Who headed up that unit is uh, calling it quits. All the right things have been done from a crisis point of view in terms of this news of the world issue. It really should get put behind us. Investigators, the court should deal with this, and we should move on and deal with the important topics of the day. I think you're right. All right, uh, Bob Dylan Schneider. Uh, good to see you. Pleasure to see you right oh, here on the uh, the big desk. Always good. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure to see you right here. I don't think so. <laughs> there you have it. That is stunning. That is stunning. Well, you know what? It's it's their demographic is totally listening and not understanding. They're just hearing hacking everywhere. Hacking? What's going on? We're all being hacked. Oh my gosh. How come nobody's talking about Citigroup? Unbelievable. That is fantastic. Bob Dylan Schneider, uh, I hope he got paid well for that. It's going to, I guarantee you, by Monday, we're going to find out that he's either being paid by News Corp or he's like he's dating uh, Steve Douchey's daughter or something. <laughs> We have yeah. another great Fox clip. What is the, uh, oh, okay, yeah, this is a good one. So when they're not trying to pretend that this whole News Corps hacking story, there's really no difference between actually doing the hacking or being a victim of hacking. It's the same thing. The word hacking is involved. That's all that's important. When they're not doing that, they are either being just um, blatantly stupid or, again, uh, trying to pursue this false meme that there was no terrorist attacks uh, under uh, George Bush. They're yeah. not conservatives. These people are right-wingers. Let's put it what they are. And by the way, George Bush didn't scare seniors. That's right. What he did was saying, if we don't go into Iraq, we're going to be subjected to weapons of mass destruction, which we still haven't found. Bob, but leaving that yeah, aside... You, that is so ridiculous. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Why? And I've just ha about had it with r r liberals who bring that up all the time, and it's just baloney. Go, and there are, there <laughs> are so many... Uh, everybody had the same information. Even one of your favorite did liberals, John Kerry, they all voted for it. Uh, Secretary Clinton when she was a senator. We're, so why don't we just take Iraq, off, WMD we're, we're off, topic, off the table? But I, we can I talk about know where social the security. Well, you know what? They, whether they did or didn't, it was oh, America was certainly safe between 2000 and 2000. I don't remember any terrorist attacks on American soil during that period of time. No attacks on American soil between 2000 and 2008. No attacks. I mean, aside from uh, the anthrax. And that thing in North Carolina, and um, uh, what was that other one? God damn it. I always forget this one, too. They tell uh, me never to forget, and I just can never remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. It, 
It had to do with, um, uh, it was, oh, it happened on Rudy Giuliani. No, no, well, no, I meant 9-11. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I get confused Giuliani. between the words 9-11 and Rudy Giuliani. He doesn't even remember it either. Remember a few uh, months back. Unbelievable. Fox in a free fall. And, um, well, uh, all I can say to that is... Uh, <laughs> Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. It's a story tailor-made for the 24-hour news culture. Big personality, scandal, bribery, hacking, celebrities, death. But one network has been reticent to dumpster dive into any aspect of the story, other than their sheer disappointment at some of their competitors' behavior. We've got some serious problems in this country right now. We are teetering on default. And what do they do? They talk about this. Virtually every tabloid is, is guilty of some kind of and, and, offense. And why are so many people piling on at this point? We know it's a hacking scandal. Shouldn't we get beyond it? The left has been out to get News Corp, especially Fox News Channel, and the Murdoch family for years. Murdoch, who owns it, has apologized. But for some reason, the public, the media, keeps going over this again and again and the again. The piling on. This is the biggest case of piling on since the last rugby game I saw. Rugby? By the way, if you're going to kiss Rupert Murdoch's ass with a reference, at least call it Aussie Rules Football. Anyway, I thought you were going to say the biggest case of piling on since Common read a poem at the White House. But maybe your competitors are taking an unseemly amount of pleasure. Maybe your competitors are taking an unseemly amount of pleasure, but perhaps they don't have Fox's finely tuned sense of proportionality. They don't have the ability to be able to spot stories of real criminality and import, like the crimes of, let's say, NPR. A national public radio executive caught on tape in a bigoted, hate-filled rant. Juan Williams fired by NPR for saying he gets nervous when flying with Muslims. The upheaval at NPR reached its zenith today. President Obama still supports giving NPR your tax dollar money. Uh, the NPR scandal is the left-wing media playing that down. Liberals are intolerant. We've linked in NPR to Soros. We know what they're doing over there. The corruption is now so widespread, it has succeeded in permeating every area of the mainstream media. These crackpots at NPR. The totalitarian tactics of the left. Is NPR an agent somehow of a jihadist inquisition? Is NPR 
an agent somehow of jihadist inquisition. I'm going to say yes, because why else would you bring it up? See, that is a reasonably proportioned response. This overreaction to uh, the Murdoch case, which what is at most an epic bribery and influence peddling scandal consuming Britain's political law enforcement and journalistic establishment, is really a waste of everyone's time. You know, I know what the problem is. You're jealous. As a News Corp property, you're not upset that your rivaled standards have been corrupted by your own conflict-driven scandal boner ethic. You're upset that they get to have all the fun while you got to sit on your hands. The scandal was made for you guys. I mean, for God's sakes, look, 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 at, look at these. Here's the DSK, Made Men. I mean, that's a great one. Look at this. Obama beats Wiener. That was about the thing there. Look at this one. Osama bin Wankin. That was about the thing. I mean, these are priceless puns and only 50 cents. Imagine the frustration. Uh, 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 the, the, the pun masters over there must be feeling they're missing out on the chance to shame a high-profile media mogul. Make nasty insinuations about his second-in-command. Indulge in puns about her personal appearance. And the death of a whistleblower? Right! I mean, it's easy! It's so easy! I'm not suggesting that you don't have the balls to confront Murdoch on this. I've seen you do it. When this scandal broke in 2009, Fox's Stu Varney yanked Murdoch's sorry Aussie ass out of Sun Valley and laid the smack down. The story that is really buzzing all around the country and certainly here in New York is that the News of the World, a news corporation newspaper in Britain, no, used... I'm not, I'm not talking about that issue at all today, I'm sorry. Okay, no worries, Mr. Chairman, that's fine with me. Rupert Murdoch defenders inside the News Corp empire are circling the wagons. The morning show Fox and Friends interviewed PR pro Robert Dillenschneider, who judged that Murdoch had done all the right things and declared it time to move on. Host Steve Ducey agreed, chiding media for not covering more important issues before presenting a performance by the aging boy band Lifehouse. Bill O'Reilly, who called for arrests in the 2008 hacking of Sarah Palin's email, was strangely silent on the more serious crimes, including police bribes and hacking crime victims' phones, now alleged against News Corp employees. Fox's media review show, Newswatch, made no on-air mention of the scandal, but video of panelists chuckling during commercial breaks about how they couldn't talk about it made it to the web, awkwardly enough. Then there was News Corp's Wall Street Journal, whose editors suggested critics were undermining freedom of the press, equated News Corp's alleged criminal activity to other outlets buying scoops and digging dirt, and asked, quote, do our media brethren really want to invite Congress and prosecutors to regulate how journalists gather the news? Close quote. The short answer for many when criminal activity is involved, yes. 
One defense from outside the empire came from USA Today founder Al Newharth, who used his column to argue that Murdoch just gives people what they want and claimed, strangely, that Murdoch founded Fox News in 1996, quote, to counter the left-wing MSNBC, close quote. In fact, in those early years, MSNBC leaned rightward, featuring likes of Laura Ingram, Oliver North, and Ann Coulter. MSNBC didn't begin assembling its current liberal evening lineup until 2003, when Keith Olbermann was hired. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, when Rupert and James Murdoch testified before that parliamentary panel in London yesterday, they were speaking to several different audiences. There were the members of Parliament, there were the millions of viewers in Britain and the U.S., and there were the people who own News Corp company shares and sit on its board. NPR's David Folkenflik says there are now very real questions about how tightly the Murdochs will be able to control their media empire. From the opening moments... Rupert Murdoch made clear, even in crisis, that News Corp, while a publicly traded company, is very much propelled by the vision of one man. He interrupted his son James to make the point. As for my comments, Mr. Chairman, and my statement, which I believe was around the closure uh, of the News of the World newspaper. Before you get to that, I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. The problem for the Murdochs is fundamental. They've made a lot of money for shareholders. But... If they knew what was going on, they either condoned or ignored what are likely crimes. Rupert and James Murdoch repeatedly said yesterday they did not know what was happening well below them, in which case, why would anyone want them to run the company? Labor MP Tom Watson asked the senior Murdoch why News Corp didn't instantly investigate reports the paper's reporters bribed police for information. I didn't know of it. I'm sorry. I'm, I, am, I can just say something. And this is not is an excuse, maybe it's an explanation of my laxity. The News of the World is less than 1% of our company. I employ 53,000 people around the world who are proud and great and ethical and distinguished people. Just a rounding figure in his company's bottom line, and perhaps therefore not deserving of his full attention. And yet Murdoch is not known for laxity, he's known for being hands-on. Yesterday, he deflected questions to James Murdoch, and the one-time heir apparent faced his own difficulties. The scandal first erupted five years ago after complaints from Princes William and Harry of phone hacking. The paper's royals editor and private eye went to jail. An isolated case, the company said then. 
James Murdoch testified he was jarred by evidence in a lawsuit filed by movie star Sienna Miller. As soon as we had that new information at the end of 2010, which indicated to us that there was a that there was a wider involvement, we acted on it immediately. But the year before, in 2009, the Guardian newspaper's exposés indicated dozens of celebrities and politicians had been illegal targets of the tabloid. James Murdoch himself had approved a secret payment of more than a million dollars to settle a professional football figure's complaints. Conservative MP Louise Mensch directed Rupert Murdoch to the resignation of the publisher of his American newspaper, The Wall Street Journal, who had previously been head of News Corp's British papers. Is it not the case, sir, though, that you, in fact, are the captain of the ship? You are the chief executive officer of News Corp, the global corporation. It's a much bigger ship. It is a much bigger ship, but you are in charge of it. And as you said in earlier questions, you do not regard yourself as a hands-off chief executive. You work 10 to 12 hours a day. This terrible thing happened on your watch. Mr. Murdoch, have you considered resigning? Murdoch said he hadn't, and more, that the buck stops somewhere else. People I trusted, I'm not saying who, I don't know what level, let me down, and I think they behaved uh, disgracefully and betrayed the company and me, and it's for them to pay. I think that, frankly, I'm the best person to clean this up. So far, however, crisis under his leadership has been costly. It killed a $12 billion takeover bid of the largest broadcaster in the UK. The company's shareholders lost billions of dollars in market value. The news of the world was closed forever, and there are a series of criminal investigations. Now, the board's independent directors have hired their own lawyers to represent their interests. The news of the world was less than 1% of News Corp, but it could, just could, finally drag the company out of the Murdoch's grasp. David Fulkenflick, NPR News, New York. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Tori Brown. Today, News Corp executive Rupert Murdoch and his son James Murdoch were questioned before a committee of the British Parliament over their knowledge of the company's phone hacking scandals. Here are some highlights. I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. I'm not really in touch. I've got to tell you that I spent, if there's an editor that I spend most time with, it's with the editor of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, And I'm in the same building. But uh, to say that we're hands-off is wrong. I work a 10 or 12-hour day. Mr. Murdoch, do you accept that ultimately you are responsible for this whole fiasco? No. You're not responsible. Who is responsible? The people that I trusted to run it, and then maybe the people they trusted. Like everyone in the world, I have so much sympathy for Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) Just look at that sad, I'm going to say face. (laughs) Now, the news of the world's phone hacking scandal has been disastrous for poor Rupi. He's had to shut down his most profitable UK paper. Top employees have been arrested and News Corp lost $7 billion of market value in four days. Folks, I wouldn't be surprised if Fox News had to make some budget cuts. Get ready for their new morning show, 
Fox and Furniture. <laughs> now, yesterday, Murdoch was hauled before a parliamentary committee to have his bangers mashed <laughs> when the unthinkable happened. A man identified as activist and comedian Johnny Marbles charged Rupert Murdoch with a shaving cream pie. Activist and comedian? That makes no sense. You can't use comedy to make political points. I mean, thank God the attack was deflected by this woman. Murdoch's, Murdoch's beautiful adopted Chinese wife, Wendy. And folks, I was horrified. He is 80. He can't digest pie. But then I found out that the instant Murdoch was hit with that pie, News Corp stock spiked, regaining $395 million in market value in five minutes. <laughs> Apparently, the pieing humanized Murdoch. Listen to how the meeting ended. I would like to apologize again for the wholly unacceptable treatment that you received from a member of the public. His paper spied on a murdered girl and they're apologizing to him? <laughs> This is brilliant. He needs to be hit with more pies. Now, folks, this is England, so perhaps a scalding mincemeat or a savory steak and kidney or a snout and pancreas. Because clearly, folks, clearly this works. Even the sharks celebrating Murdoch's downfall felt bad for him. I mean, you can't help feel a little bit sorry for the guy, and he's 80 years old. I must say I was rather saddened today because here he is, 80 years old. He looks as if somebody has come across him with a cricket bat. Cricket bat. My God, that's perfect. I've got to think outside the pie. How about, what else could we hit him with? How about, how about a shot to the nuts with a soccer ball? Come on. He'd get sympathy and it would be funny. Not activist comedian funny, but still funny. It gave us the Kukumura. It gave us Frangipan. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal, it will cost you nothing extra, but 7-8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Just when you thought the news of the world uh, hacking scandal was crazy, it just got way crazier. A guy by the name of Sean Hoare was the first uh, named journalist to allege that Andy Coulson, who you remember, of course, was the editor and the Downing Street communications chief for News of the World, uh, was involved and had authorized the hacking uh, of these phones. So he's the first journalist to point that out. He's now dead. Uh, police found him um, deceased in his home. Uh, and, you know, first of all, it's a little curious, right? Uh, the guy who had started this whole stuff 
and uh, who had named Andy Colson and had said Andy Colson is quote um, Andy Colson's charges that he was not involved and did not authorize it was quote a lie it is simply a lie and he also said quote there's more to come this is not going to go away and he had named a private investigator who said he had links with news of the world okay so this guy was absolutely critical in pointing out who was doing this hacking he worked at news of the world and so that's why he knew now he shows up dead okay well we don't know enough about it yet but here are the other parts of the story that made me go hmm this is really strange so uh, people call it in uh, the police arrive at 11 a.m. okay they stay around till 3 p.m. but then some of the family of the deceased show up and the police totally leave as soon as the family shows up they pack up and they leave which is already incredibly weird it's a crime scene or possibly a crime scene we don't know right but a guy is dead you probably want to make sure that you've got the evidence etc why did it's it almost seems like when the family showed up they got the hell the police got the hell out of there and then they don't come back to actually do forensic evidence with what is called a quote scientific services unit until 9 15 p.m. So the call comes in at 11, or they get arrive at the house at 11, they leave at 3, and then they come back to do forensics at 9.15 p.m. That's incredibly strange. So you add on top of the fact that the first guy to name Andy Colson, among others, for this News of the World scandal, uh, it winds up dead, and you add police who have been involved in this scandal all along, by the way, and several of whom have been arrested, now all of a sudden do this incredibly weird investigation here, and now, the third part of it is, it turns out that uh, Sean Hoare was also talking about how News of the World used uh, the police and their technology to locate people using their mobile phone signals. It's a thing called pinging, and uh, it was done in exchange for payments to police officers. So here's how it would work. News of the World editors would go and ask the police, hey, I'm trying to locate, for example, Sienna Miller. That's the celebrity that they ha had tapped into her phones and had litigation with her uh, accordingly afterwards, etc. So they say, where is Sienna Miller? The police use their technology, which they're supposed to use to chase criminals, to find a celebrity or whoever else News of the World is looking for, and they report it back to the paper, and the paper sends paparazzi, etc., and figures out where they are. Uh, and in exchange, the police get money, a bribe. <laughs> massively, gargantuanly illegal, and a horrible abuse of the police in the UK. So that's the guy who reported on that, who explained that, uh, who was basically, not basically, is a whistleblower, is now dead and had this incredibly strange police reaction to his death. How you like them apples? This story, I think, is gone to a whole new level. Hey, this is uh, Dave from Olympia, Washington. I'm uh, calling about the uh, most recent Best of the Left, the Cost of War show. Um, and uh, this is actually my first call in about uh, your most controversial uh, source, Mumia Abu Jamal. Um, and 
I'm a fan of multiple voices in the media. I don't think you should stop playing him. I think he's an important part of the spectrum of voices. But in this case, I think he's wrong. Uh, in, and maybe in one minor quibble, uh, in, in objecting to what's going on in Libya, which is, uh, you know, everything he says, unconscionable, civilians are dying, he refers to Gaddafi's state as a, and I mean this quote, but a, a stable uh, country uh, pursuing the goals of his own people in their own way, which is mm, wrong. That's not true. Uh, Libya is a autocratic kleptocracy. It's built around uh, centralized power of, for, and by Gaddafi and his children. There is, I don't think, anything in the structure of the state that is built out of concern for the people unless they are close business allies or relatives of Mr. Gaddafi. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, he makes a good point. Just that the uh, jarring uh, misstatement of fact was enough to get me to calling. I uh, hadn't called in for a while and uh, felt the need just to uh, touch base and say, hey, keep doing all the good stuff you're doing, the uh, new stuff on the website and the outreach and uh, spreading the liberal word. Good stuff. Thanks, Jake. Bye. Hey, Jade. This is Carter from Denver again. Um, I just want to respond to Amol Jabbar's comments on your last podcast uh, about the police state, or no, not police state, uh, foreign policy, excuse me, um, and Libya, and I was very surprised on the fact that he seems to take a very lenient stance on Gaddafi. Uh, Gaddafi has committed atrocities and continues to make commit atrocities on some people. So as you know, diverse as the interests of Western powers may be in Libya, uh, I think the rebels do have a cause of freedom and freedom from Gaddafi's forces in their own respect. Uh, I don't think Gaddafi at all was a good person to be in power. I think he went insane with power. And you know, I've read out the advocacy news, MSNBC, uh, multiple news sources on him, and they're all bad. So I think big point of his argument was uh, nullified by the fact that he made no mention of the atrocities Qaddafi, Qaddafi has uh, committed on his own people. And I think that is something worth mentioning. And, you know, it's not always as one-sided as one thinks. There is a gray. And Qaddafi is probably more on the line of uh, wrong than right on this. So, you know, thanks for letting me ramble. And uh, cue up the show. Thanks. Jay, this is Dave from Olympia, Washington again. Wow, twice one episode. Um, <laughs> the very next clip in the show, um, Common Sense, I think, uh, starts out with just, uh, again, I gotta call it a factually incorrect information. Um, I mean, the, the point of the clip that we need to question the War Powers Act and all about, but, um, again, I, I just feel compelled to call out that the, the fallacy that all technology 
is bad. And in fact, it's the it's the act of researching it and doing science that's the problem. The fallacy we start out with, um, and then uh, going on to pull the example of uh, the Japanese rejection of firearms uh, as an example of this is just well crazy because one. Uh, the, the technology existed. Uh, the science is real. What was what what was it put to? What was the use that it was put to? Is what made it good or bad in the situation? And then, in the specific example of Japan, the firearms were rejected because they were felt to be uh, a threat to the existing power structure. Uh, if any commoner can pick up a gun and shoot it and kill a samurai. Oh God! That puts power. That 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 distributes power. That puts power in the hands of little people. That makes a revolution possible, uh, and we simply can't have that. So we have to, uh, you know, if, if we want to maintain our power structure, we will do without these guns. It wasn't a uh, egalitarian thought or a, a, a thought for the common man to, you know, oh, we, we want to we want to have less violence. We can't have these. Into these horrible weapons in our society, they love those horrible weapons until they start to thought that they might uh, affect their political power structure. Um, sorry for criticizing twice on one episode. So let me throw in uh, "Hero of War," uh, the song uh, by Rise Against, is uh, one of my personal favorites by that band. I can't uh, listen to it without it bringing a tear to my eye. Uh, especially the third verse, third verse, which you didn't get to, but uh, in any particular clip, but oh, well chosen, Jay. Well chosen. Keep it up. Hey, Jay, this is Naeem calling from Ecuador. I am a Peace Corps volunteer in the Natural Resource Conservation Program, and I've been a listener since last November. Uh, on the last show, <clears throat> I was listening to... The last segment, which was A Turning Point We Can't Afford to Ignore by Johan Hardy. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, of course, being a natural resource volunteer, I'm super interested in how to spread awareness and even donate myself to the, the organization of the government of Ecuador to help preserve the rainforest in the southern part of the country. I actually live in the southern part of the country currently, the province of El Oro. Uh, please let all the listeners know, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you much. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Today, I'm going to respond to a couple of emails that I got. Um, I don't need to read them or anything, but they were in response to clips played uh, several episodes back. These are from episode 504, and the two clips in question were from PBS's Need to Know and, uh, and then also my friend David Pakman, and both clips were concerning the contradiction between actual facts and human emotions and how when people hear facts that don't jive with what they already believe, they dismiss those facts as you know being not credible or whatever, and so they uh, kind of become further entrenched in, in, in the beliefs that they already had, and, uh, and it becomes incredibly hard to expose anyone to contrary information and get them to believe it. And then on top of that, of course, there's the ongoing problem of it, it being incredibly hard to get 
people to be exposed to contrary information in the first place before they're even given a chance to disagree with it. And so I got a couple of emails basically saying, you know, hey, I, I liked these clips, but do you recognize the irony of you playing them on a show that caters to the exact problem that they were discussing? You know, that, um, that this show is obviously absolutely handcrafted to not expose you to information that is contrary to what you already believe. And the answer to that is yes, I do recognize the irony of that. And I do know that th this show is part of the problem. And in addition to being the solution for many people, and I, I mean, for me, like, this show is the answer to a question that I had years and years ago. You know, if, if I wasn't making this show, I would be the biggest fan of this show. This is exactly what I wanted to listen to. I wanted for it to exist. So I just went ahead and made it myself because no one else was doing it. So I knew that I wanted to listen to it. I assumed other people would too. So here we are. Um, but yeah, I, I totally recognize how bad of a situation we're in in the kind of news cocoons we can put ourselves in where we don't get exposed to information we all don't already agree with. And I simply don't know how to fix that problem any better than any of you do. And I've been putting thought into it for a long time. I just, I just, I, I wouldn't know how to do it in general. And I definitely don't know how to do it myself. I guess basically those two emails were like, I'm surprised that you played those clips and then didn't talk about it because seems kind of relevant to what you do. So, you know, I'm a little late, but here we go. My thought is that it's obviously up to every individual to create their own variety of news sources that they're going to pull from. And so I'm a news source and I'm not even a news source. I'm a news aggregator. And it's not my job to produce the best of the left and also a healthy dose of the right so that you can make informed decisions based on a wider range of perspectives podcast. Uh, although to be fair, that was my original idea. It just so happened that that URL was taken. So I said, screw it. I just cut it down to best of the left and stuck with that. But you know, at this point, it'd be crazy to change. So changing the format of the show to provide other different perspectives, I don't think makes sense. And then also, uh, you know, people have asked, have you ever thought of doing best of the right? Or maybe you'd call it worst of the right, depending on who you're catering to. And the answer to that is, first of all, no, because I don't have time. Also, no, because someone else should do that. I don't know why they haven't. And, and third, if I tried to do it myself, that would be horrible for my health. I just, I mean, I don't know how the people at Media Matters do it. <laughs> I, I think that they must have a really, really good health plan because if, if it was my job to listen to right-wing media all the time, I would have uh, horrible health problems. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why that wouldn't be true. It's a, it's a stressful, stressful stuff to listen to. So I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. This hasn't been a, an incredibly informative commentary because I don't have any answers for you. And uh, so all I can do is encourage everyone to do their best. If, if best of the left is, is a tiny uh, portion of your uh, news source and you go out and find a bunch of other great eclectic sources, I think that is probably the best. And, you know, we all do the best we can and can't, you can't expect much more uh, than that out of people. The bottom line though, I definitely saw the irony and I know I'm part of the problem.
we can all agree on that. So that's going to be it for today. I just want to thank a couple of uh, members. Of course, as I always do, Claudia D signed up for her socialist yearly membership back on March 17th. Thank you very much, Claudia. And Mark H signed up for uh, a leftist membership and also paid for a full year in advance on January 2nd. So huge thanks to Claudia and Mark and all the members and donors who keep the show going. Everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of clips online using our social networking features integrated into the website now. You can stay tuned into the show between episodes by following us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that info is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 11 times a month thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Fine black and Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor We'll take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend